Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire, the Leadership Development Podcast, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. Welcome back, everyone, to the top five reading recommendations, and I'm so excited for my guest today because not only is she an amazing leader, a former Aspire podcast guest, superintendent, and just amazing person, but she also was recommended in the very first top five reading recommendations with Greg Moffat. So I had to have her on because she is, like I said, just an amazing, amazing person, and I should say award winner too, Jill. I'm pretty excited about that. <laughs> so you just received a, an award for your book, Thrive Through the Five, just was awarded the 2021 Eric Hoffer Award. So congratulations. Thank you very much. I was really excited and honored to get that award. And the book has been doing fantastic. And I loved listening to that episode with Greg Moffat and was so honored that my book was chosen as, as one of that first five. Well, and then some other exciting news too is you are about to change professions. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us about your new position with TASA. Is that right? Yeah. So still supporting and equipping leaders, but um, I'm really honored to have the opportunity to do that statewide. So I'll be working with leaders from assistant principal to the superintendency and, um, and being able to do that across our great state. So I'm really excited about that. Well, that's awesome and very fitting because I know you are very in tune with mentoring and helping aspiring leaders and current leaders. So I couldn't think of a better position for you. Um, and I know you're probably pretty sad about leaving your community uh, as a superintendent too. Well, absolutely. It is going to be really difficult to leave my district. And fortunately, I'm going to have just the, the opportunity to stay in my community. So my kids will continue to go to Gunner ISD, which oh, awesome. is clearly the best district uh, in the state. And so we're really happy. All right. So if you're ready, I would love to jump into your top five reading recommendations. Would love that. So first I have to tell you just a funny story. Um, so I have this love hate relationship with books, mm -hmm. um, love in that I love to read. In fact, um, when my husband and I first got married and we were going to our honeymoon, we were flying and, uh, we were packing that night before we left and I had my suitcase open and I started to put in like all of my books and I like was bringing like seven or eight, um, which, you know, let's just hold the judgment on, you know, honeymoon and seven to eight books. And my husband was like, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm just bringing some things to read. And he was like, we're only going to be gone for a week. Well, I'm a really fast reader and I love to read. And sure enough, I, you know, I read a book on the way up and a book on the way down and would wake up early and just loved reading. But my confession is that I do not enjoy reading professionally. Wow. And so, although I love the content, it is so hard for me to make time mm -hmm. to select slow down and to stop and do it. One of the things that I've done in my own leadership journey to help me and to help our team is to be really intentional about learning and reading. And so every semester um, since I've been a superintendent and even before that, I would just have discussion uh, reading groups together, but we read a book uh, every semester. And it has been one of the things that has just brought our team together, brought us to a deeper level of, of knowledge. And it's been really helpful. And so I'm going to share with you today, five uh, books that I I've really enjoyed four of them with my team, one that I just read. And so I'm really excited to jump in. Wonderful. And I can't wait. And I love that recommendation. I think all leaders should do that. That's a great team building activity for anyone that's listening right now. Absolutely. Let's get into your top choice here. 
All right. So my top choice and super hard to narrow it to five, but I'm going to start with, um, let's call it the most impactful to me as a leader. Um, and I'm going to start with John Gordon, um, and his book, he has several, uh, but one of my favorites is the power of positive leadership. Mm -hmm. And so I love this book for so many reasons, but one of the things that I love about it the most is that sometimes when you think about positive leadership, like we all want to work in this culture, that's, that's really positive and uplifting, but like, we've also been in the culture where it's just a little too much, like almost a little bit of toxic positivity, like Pollyanna and John Gordon just nails it by talking about, this is not just this Pollyanna fake kind of positivity, but rather this authentic, optimistic, steeped in hope kind of positivity that rises up in great leaders. And so I loved um, what he talked about. And so I'm going to just share just three um, quick things that I love from that book. The first was that, that it's not about Pollyanna. Um, He puts the quote in there that, that we're positive, not because life is easy, but because life is hard. Like those are the moments where we have to just rise up and inspire hope in others. The the second thing that I really um, loved that he talked about was culture and how pivotal a role culture plays in our organizations. He talks about that. It's not just one thing that a leader does. It is the main thing that a leader does and really paints this picture of how that happens in organizations. Um, And then the third thing that really spoke to me about this book was just how he talks about visioning um, and and how important that is in creating this culture and, and leading an organization. Uh, positively in that positive manner. One of the stories that he talked about was, you know, Martin Luther King said, um, you know, he said, I have a dream. He didn't say I have a strategic plan that might work. And so just this notion that it has to be vision, it has to be aspirational in nature. And then of course you want to equip and support your people. But those were the, some of the things that I loved about his book. And the last thing that I'll say, I mean, I'd love to hear your thoughts on kind of what I've shared is just the way that he does it through storytelling is so powerful. And so he tells this great story, for instance, about um, Dr. James Gills. And he was, you know, 59 years old. He had run a a double triathlon six times. And when they asked him how he did it, his answer was, I've learned to talk to myself instead of listen to myself. And then John goes on to talk about the importance of the words that we use to ourselves. Um, And I thought that was really powerful, but great, great storyteller. So power of positive leadership by John Gordon, definitely book number one. Love it. Well, it's very fitting after the school year that we just encountered and like you said the the toxic positivity is definitely been there this year for a lot of folks and i think the the piece that you talked about the authenticity of that positivity is is really hitting home for me as far as after the school year yeah and you brought up such a great point because this was the year that separated those with fake positivity from true leaders who could inspire hope because there was no uh, right leadership no. that included everything is fantastic mm-hmm. um like as a leader if you are not on the front line saying this is hard I am struggling too, but together we can get through this. That was the way to lead. And, and I love that, um, that John's book goes so much deeper than that just surface level positivity and really talks about what that looks like and feels like in organizations. Yeah. Great point and great recommendation. Thank you. I don't, I don't know how you're going to beat that one, Jill. All right. Well, so book number two is we're going into how about most impactful from an education standpoint Um, and then especially as an innovator. And so I'm going back a few years, um, but the innovators mindset by George Kuros, not too many years, but just a 
not too many years uh, back, but I am a huge fan um, just in terms of his thinking and the way that he presents ideas. And so I thought I would share a couple things um, from his book as well. So one of the things that struck me that he talked about is what innovation is and what innovation isn't, right? Sometimes that fallacy in school leadership is we're always looking for the bright, shiny thing. Like what's next? The, the new thing that we're just going to add to our teacher's plates. And that's certainly not what we're going after. So he talks about right? That invention is something totally new, whereas iteration is just a change of something that already exists. But talking about that, if it doesn't meet the idea of new and better, that it's not innovative, right? So change for the sake of change is never good enough. And I think that that piece is so important for our educators today um, of just, it's not about changing to change. Mm -hmm. It's about how can we make this better for our kids? How can we make this better for our teachers? So the second thing that really struck me about his book is just how he talks about that change. Um, and, you know, he shares this quote from Seth Godin, who, who I love and think is brilliant as well. And that quote is that, that change almost never fails because it's too early. It almost always fails because it's too late. And the, the example that he shared, you know, there's so many to share, but like Blockbuster was one of them. (laughs) And he even talks about, if you've uh, seen the the video by the onion, it says, you know, satirical piece where they go into an old Blockbuster and they're showing it like a museum about how we used to do things. Right. But we, here, we saw this organization that, that saw the writing on the wall. Like they saw that we were shifting to online and just couldn't make the jump. And then was quickly overcome by Netflix and and so many others. And so he, you know, George includes this quote by William Pollard that says that learning and innovation go hand in hand. The arrogance of success is to think that what you did yesterday will be sufficient for tomorrow. And so for us as educational leaders, we cannot rest on our laurels. We can't rest on what's worked for us in the past. We have to consistently be looking out to the future and trying to change our our mindset from that perspective. And then the last thing that I'll share from George Kuros, he does a really great job. One of the things that he um, is just so powerful at is just like painting this picture of the paradigm shift, you know, so he talks about like the difference between school and the difference between learning, you know, what technology should be used for, for leaders and, you know, what it shouldn't and just paints that picture. He does two kind of graphics that are just fantastic in here. And and one of them is eight characteristics of an innovator's mindset. Like what are some things that we need to be fostering in our educators, things like being empathetic and problem finders and risk takers and creators, And then my all-time favorite, which is hanging in every classroom um, in our district, is the eight things to look for in today's classroom, today's classrooms. And the reason why I love this is because it's nothing, you know, this is not about a program you have to go by or an initiative that you have to do. It's things like giving kids voice and choice. And by the way, it's about giving your teachers voice and choice and about giving your school community voice and choice, right? Those are things that are free and easy, but so powerful. Creating time for reflection, providing opportunities for innovation, which doesn't have to be launching rockets, right? Like there's so many ways that we can be innovative in our classroom by taking risks, by being reflective, all of those sorts of things. And so just really, really powerful learning. I love how he takes just it's always about the next level. You know, it's not enough to be engaged. How do we empower kids? Everything we do, taking it to the next level, super inspiring. This is what launched our strategic plan in my district. And so um, this definitely means a lot to me. Yeah. George is amazing and extremely inspiring. He was the whole reason I started Twitter. (laughs) 
which launched into a whole host of different things, including the podcast and my book. So I attribute a lot of my pathway to to him. So amazing speaker and, like you said, a very inspirational voice in the world of education. So I love that recommendation. I'm excited. You've got two powerhouses. What's book number three? Okay, book number three. I'm going to go with my most enjoyable read. If you have not read anything by Daniel Coyle, Oh man, he's fantastic. And so I want to talk about the culture code. Um, We read this as a team and the, the byline on that is the secrets of highly successful groups. And he takes a look at everyone from the Navy SEALs to the teams at Pixar to the teams at Google and asks this like question of why is it that certain groups add up to be greater than the sum of their parts while others are less than, and just really what are the the key principles of that? And so he is a master storyteller. In fact, the first story that he starts the book off with is a, you know, talking about this experiment where um, you're given some spaghetti and a marshmallow and I don't know, maybe some rubber bands and the, in the job, the, the goal is to create the tallest structure possible. And so he has two groups doing this over and over and over again to see what the average is. And one group are MBA students, and one group is kindergartners. And and you would think obviously that the MBA students would do a much better job. And hands down, it's the kindergartners. In fact, the kindergartners build their structure 26 inches tall on average. The MBA is only 10. And so he talks about what is it? Well, and of course the MBA students are creating plans and you know talking about task analysis and all these sorts of things. And the kindergartners are just like, let's go, let's play, let's have fun, try this, try that, here, do this. And um, of course they're much more successful. And so how is it that the interaction amongst people is so important? So three things that I took away from that book was number one, he talks about creating safety, not in the big things that we do, not in the the training or the convocation speech, but in the little moments where we create social connections with one another. He shared a great story about uh, Popovich, who is the longtime coach of the San Antonio Spurs. And if you know anything about him, right, he's like old school, hardcore, like hard nosed, super fun to watch, but I always look at it and think, man, he's a great coach, but I don't know that I'd ever want to play for him because he's super hardcore. And the book just talks about what he's like, you know, 24 seven. And, you know, before the game, he'll be, you know, walking around player to player, having interaction, giving an elbow bump, giving a fist bump, you know, asking about their family. The minute the whistle blows completely hardcore. And, you know, Daniel goes in and tells this masterful story about how they were in game six of the championship series and they were slated to win and it was going to be an incredible night. They had reserved this restaurant um, to have this big team celebration and they ended up losing. And instead of canceling it, the team still went. Popovich got there early, um, even like had them change the tables, moved them closer together, started pouring the wine, met the team in the bus. And they just talked about how you would have thought that this was a wedding and not the most, you know, disheartening defeat that they had ever felt. Right. And it's about leading with love, that tough love. I love that. The second thing that he talked about was just vulnerability and how trust is so critically important. And, and one thing that Daniel Coyle does too, is not just talk about these masterful stories, um, but also backs it up with these really practical ideas for action. And so talking about, you know, vulnerability that number one, that the leader is vulnerable first and most often 
two, that we over-communicate expectations, and three, that we deliver the negative in person. Like that's just an example of like one of the pieces that Daniel Coyle does. And then the last thing I talk about is just that he shares that we have to establish purpose, have a clear set of priorities and name and rank those priorities um, and be super, super clear about that. And so I loved reading this book. He does just this awesome job with footnotes too. So he'll be reading something and then he'll tell a whole other story uh, in his footnotes that um, just adds this flavor, but super enjoyable read. Great, especially to build uh, teams. That's awesome. I have not read that book, so I'm going to put that on my list to purchase, which is Culture Code. And you were speaking to my heart there with the basketball story. I am a huge (laughs) NBA fan, so I'm going to have to check out that story in that book. Yes, it's fantastic. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. All right. I'm ready for book number four, if you are. Okay. Book number four, I'm going to go with my most recent read and definitely the most practical read. I loved this book and it was, it's called Principled and it's the Educator Survival Guide. And this is a DBC book, the Dave Burgess uh, Consulting, which always puts out this just beautiful, practical, in the trenches leader sharing their voices. And this book comes from Kate Barker, Courtney Ferrua, and Rachel George, three principals, incredible principals in Oregon. And they put together this Educator Survival Guide. And I love this book because, you know, it's fantastic for the aspiring leader. It is unbelievable for the practicing leader. And it's even good for someone like myself who is supporting my leaders. And so I love the practicality of this in terms of the tools, the reflections, the action plans, um, the activities that they have in there, the conversation starters, like this is jam packed of, of really, really good stuff. So if I was like leading book studies um, for my own principles, this would be a, a go-to for me. They break up their book talking about reflection, about creating focus, connecting, like how do we know our people? How do we embrace hard conversations? How do we network? How do we learn? And then they close it by talking about how to care. Um, and they go into really practical things like balance and gratitude and leading with love. It's a beautiful mix of really profound thought insightful leadership and practicality, which is, I mean, man, you can't ask for more in a book. So I would highly recommend that principled by Kate Barker, Courtney Ferrua and Rachel George. Yeah. I have that book. I've read it. It's amazing. I had Rachel George on the Aspire podcast also. So check out that episode. She walks through, you know, all of those things within the book on that episode. Check that book out. That's like you said, it's got action plans. It's extremely relevant for any leader, wherever you are within your journey. You ready for your last book, book number five? It, we're like almost at the end here. We are. So book number five is going to be like one of the best books ever. And it's the book that I aspire to be like, and that is Dare to Lead by Brene Brown. Oh, yeah. Um, it's an amazing book. Shoot. I mean, wow. So, you know, I've heard of Brene Brown, obviously, like many, and I know she's written several books before this one, but this was, in fact, I even had a hard time just kind of putting together my notes for this because a, we just finished it today as a team. Um, so I'm kind of like in the, in the middle of it, um, you know, just kind of sifting through just what my feelings are about it and B, um, I really like would 
prefer just to read you every single page. Like that's really how I feel about the book. And I won't, I promise. But if you haven't seen um, Brene's uh, Call to Courage, her Netflix special, I would highly recommend um, that you watch that. And, yes. and in the book is just so real. In fact, she talks about it in the beginning, like that it's the honest truth. It's no fluff. In fact, she is kind of a cusser, which I, you know, I kind of appreciate, you know, from time <laughs> to time, like that's, that's really okay. And she talks like, this is the no BS version. Yeah. And, and it really, really is. And so I thought I would just take just a couple of points, you know, her main things are vulnerability and living into our values and braving trust and learning to rise. But I thought I would just uh, hit a couple of quick points if that's good for you. Please. Yeah. So I love her definition of leadership. And she talks about that. She says, I define leader as anyone who takes responsibility for finding the potential in people and processes and who has the courage to develop that potential. Um, and I love just this whole notion of we just, we need to bring our whole selves into work. I am a compartmentalizer. I don't know if, if you are uh, as well, but I, I tend to compartmentalize a lot. And she has really challenged me um, to, to change this aspect of my leadership. I told my husband one time, I said, um, you know, one of the things that I, I feel like makes me a good leader is I have a really strong filter, right? Like I'm super thoughtful and intentional um, before I speak and what I speak about. And he laughed at me and he was like, uh, I wouldn't call it a filter, Jill. You have like a six foot brick wall all the way around you. And if you ask my team, they would tell you I'm super personable, but I tend to just like, I just have the boundaries and they're super um, hard and fast. And she has just challenged me um, to break some of those down. So did that resonate with you at all? Oh, most definitely. Yeah, I'm yeah. the same way as far as the compartmentalizing piece. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, she makes the case for just why this is so critical. And she talks about, you know, that there are certain behaviors and cultural issues that get in our way uh, in our organizations. And I was sharing with you earlier, I, I really wanted to um, to share uh, another book that I haven't finished yet, Radical Candor. Um, and and so I've been reading that. And, um, and just, you know, one of the truths is that so often, we, it's not silence. Like it's, or, or it's not that we, like, we tend to worry about like, Hey, I'm going to approach this conversation the wrong way. I think, um, Carrie Patterson talks about this in crucial confrontations. Like we tend to just really, um, just get nervous about having hard conversations. But the truth is, is, is when we go to silence, like that's the part that's um, so difficult. And so radical candor does a great job of teaching that. But so Brene talks about, we, uh, we avoid tough conversations. We avoid giving honest and productive feedback. And I think that that's one of the, the biggest issues. And she talks a lot about shame and blame and just how to maintain dignity in others while we still have those hard conversations. And so that's really important. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I love that she talks about is just the, the story that we tell ourselves. And so, so often we'll be in a leadership situation and, you know, kind of be, you know, receiving this feedback from someone else. And instead of just checking that with that person, we just kind of tend to make up the story in our head of like, this is what we think is going on, but the reality may be much different. And so she's really challenged me to think through um, and, and make sure that, that I'm really understanding where we're at and that I'm not just, you know, sharing a story or making up a story in my mind that that's not true. And so she is just so powerful, but, um, but I'd love just to kind of um, close with just one of the things. And she talks about this in the call to courage special as well, but she talks about this, that, you know, the whole quote about in the 
the arena, right? That it's better to, you know, fight hard and, and all of that in the arena. And she says this, that if you're not in the arena, getting your ass kicked on occasion, I'm not interested in or open to your feedback. There are a million cheap seats in the world today filled with people who will never be brave with their lives, but who will spend every ounce of energy. They have hurling advice and judgment at those who dare greatly. And so this has been a really just profound read, especially for our team, especially for this year, because at the end of the day, we have received a lot of feedback this year, but honestly, you know, when that feedback comes from those who are outside the arena, who have no idea the impossible context that we're being asked to operate in, especially in this past year, we have to take that for what it's worth, but then we have to move on too. And so she has just um, inspired me to just be more courageous in my leadership, to be more vulnerable as I lead and to really live into our values. And so that has been a phenomenal book. I couldn't have thought of a better book to end with, Jill. That's one of my favorite books of all time. And I'm staring at it as we speak um, on my bookshelf. Year five. Wow. Fantastic. Yay. (laughs) And beautiful (laughs) job of creating the synopsis for each book and pulling out some quotes and and the way that you've learned from each book. So I just appreciate your time so much, Jill, and your leadership. And I'm so excited for, you know, the success of your book. I know it's changing leaders' lives based on the text that you've written. It's such a powerful book. And then, of course, your new position. Well, thank you so much. And, um, and I would just encourage your readers that um, if, if doing book studies is not a part of your leadership team and leadership work, um, to really think about it. And, and there is no magic recipe. We don't have, we don't assign chapters. We don't do presentations. It's truly a bring your book tell me what struck you, what page you're on. Let's talk about it together and have a rich conversation, which is so simple to do. And my last just piece of advice um, for folks is one of the books I didn't get to talk about because I haven't finished it yet. Um, Cause it's been a crazy uh, into the year um, is atomic habits by James clear. And I would say this to you, that if you're not um, at this place, like if you are where I was in the very beginning with this love hate relationship about reading and just can't find that time to do it, yeah. go online to James clear and subscribe to his Thursday 321 newsletter because that is just incredible wisdom. Uh, every single week, three thoughts from him, two quotes from others, and then one thing to ponder. And so just would encourage you to do that as well. Awesome. And for the listeners, I'll put all of these books in the show notes and then any other resources that Jill has talked through. And uh, we'll make sure that everyone is able to connect with Jill because if you're not connected with her on social media, you need to do so immediately because she is amazing. Thank you. Thank Thank you you so much. much. Thank you again for being on the Inspire Podcast. Absolutely. It's been an honor.